Hi, I'm Joe Shelton. I'm a singer, songwriter, and music producer, as well as a software engineer, and most of all, a father with a daughter who recently moved to Scotland. And I'm Bailey, a magazine editor, graphic designer, and illustrator. This podcast is our weekly catch-up. We wanted to share it with you and let you be a part of our family rabble. Hello, hello, and welcome to In-Person Week. In-Person Week on in, Family in, Rabble-y Ribbles Rebels. Ribble Rabble. Ribble Ribble not, Rebel. Oh Yes, that's why it was laying on the floor of the garage. Bailey right now is adjusting the mic stand, um, which is a suspect one, because the first one she picked up, she started to pull the bar out and literally half. snapped it in half. I think she's She-Hulk. In yeah, I haven't world. been going to the gym, guys. It's just kind of how it's been. I think that Glasgow made you stronger. Yeah. I don't know. Which is weird, because, uh, you know, I made that joke, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Highlander now. No, I live in the lowlands. Like, Glasgow is not... It's not Inverness, you know. <laughs> like, um, so I don't know where that strength came from, but I'm I'm really sorry that you had to take a loss. I've, I've never seen from it. I've never seen a mic stand snap in half. It just like, it went. It, it felt it like putty. The, the in my metal hands. itself broke. Like it yeah, wasn't it was like. like <laughs> It wasn't like you pulled it out of the tubes or whatever. Like the thing literally snapped off. Like, you know, when something breaks that easily, I always kind of think to myself, well, it was already broken. Like there's no way. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a new mic stand. However, wow. It, literally, it just went click. I mean, yeah, like, yeah I'm telling you. you like a path of least resistance. I got to like, tell you, you know, that was easy. It was easier to break that mic stand than it was to break up with any boyfriend i've ever broken up with it really yeah it took oh. way less time there was no fallout <laughs> there was only there was a little bit of shock from and both I, of us and you know i did feel the shame of being a bad person but it didn't last nearly as long <laughs> no you just went and grabbed another mic stand that is kind of broken but you know it's usable yeah that's a really good metaphor for my dating life i feel like <laughs> Kind of broken, but sort of usable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, your dating life has probably taken a turn in the last week since, you know, you came back to the U.S. for a, a bit. Yeah, a lot of people are willing to wait for me, I feel like. <laughs> well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, it is what it is. I think that, like, if someone's like, oh, I'm leaving the country for a little while, and then they say, but I'm coming back, you're a little bit like, oh, well... If that's it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I should have really built up like have like four or five people I wanted to ghost and then just be like, oh no, I'm sorry, I traded out my SIM card. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. It's like, it reminds me of that, like, I don't know, the uh, you know, movie reference here because my head lives in movies, mm -hmm. but, um, there's the movie, he's just not that into you. Yeah. And, um, she like is calling, um, um, she's calling the bartender guy who's like, uh, the Apple guy from the Apple commercials back in the day, Justin, Justin Long, Justin Long, Justin Long is hot. Yes. So she's, she's calling him and saying, so I'm on a date with this guy. And he says that he's going to be out of town and unreachable for a few days. And he's like, run. <laughs> and she says, what? 
He's like, where is he going that he's going to be out of touch for a few days? Yeah. <laughs> the moon, you know? Yeah. And, then, and she's me. like, wait a minute. Where are you going on your trip? Uh, Pittsburgh. And then he's, she says, he says Pittsburgh. And he says, run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he can't call you from Pittsburgh? Why? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of me. That This is my Pittsburgh, you know? We are not Pittsburgh. We are Indianapolis and proud. Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on, Bailey. I'm, I'm sorry I said that. All the pride must have come back to you the moment that you stepped in. It so did not. And I think you know that. You, you've been trying to... I feel like lately you've been like really digging. Like, <laughs> like I, uh, what was it I said about... No, like, you, you said that the internet was better for streaming something. I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not that the internet's better for streaming. HBO Max is not in the UK <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, that's So there's a few shows that I like on HBO Max that I just can't watch in the UK without <laughs> a VPN. <laughs> so, um, like, season two of The Sex Like Life of College Girls... Uh-huh. He's coming out on November like 11th or something, which yeah. is like four days after I come back to the UK. Tough shit. Yeah. Tough, it. tough titty. Yeah. You that, can watch it when you happening. get back. Yeah. Or I can wait until next June or I can just get a VPN, you know? Um, that would be cheating. Yeah. Netflix, if you're listening to this. Um, it's not Netflix. It's well, HBO, HBO Max. HBO Max. Well, HBO Max, um, I don't know what I'm talking about. I, of course, would only watch you in the United States of America. <laughs> nobody should ever steal vpn vpn right yeah don't don't do that um you know what's actually better is um so there are a few streaming platforms in the uk that have just like absorbed things that other platforms in the u.s have so like netflix has like a lot of different shit in the uk so if you're like halfway through watching something and then you go back to the u.s you're like god damn <laughs> Fuck. I have to wait again. <laughs> well, that's because there's a lot more services here. Yeah. So basically, like the other services just have the rights outside of the U.S. to stream those things. So right. Netflix doesn't suck outside of the U.S. You know how like it doesn't few, suck here. Well, you know how a few mm-hmm. years ago they were like, no, we're really just focusing on our own productions, and they let certain like ownerships last uh, like lapse within the u.s and then all of the things you were halfway through watching like stopped being on there um they're right. still there they're just in the uk version <laughs> like, i see yeah so well that you know that makes some sense i guess because um they um they were in a bidding war on some of those things with like you know, mm-hmm. Paramount Plus or Peacock or whatever. Mm-hmm. While we're on the subject of media, by the way, guess what I watched during the last leg of my my flight? What? What it, I watched? Just here's hear me out. I we were landing in. Oh, oh I, I think you Detroit. should. You know, you're going to talk about that part. Yeah, but, but let me tell you the story first. Okay. Okay. So I was landing in Detroit, and. I hadn't been watching anything on on the television the entire time there. But then I was like, you know what? I'm kind of done with knitting. Like, I kind of... I want to watch something for the last 20 minutes of this. And I was like, what can I watch that's only 20 minutes long? And I thought, like, oh, there isn't a really good, like, TV offering on this in-flight entertainment. I was like, you know what? Let me see if they have... And they did. 
Uh, so I, w- I watched the last 20 minutes of Inglorious Bastards, which if you remember that film, the last 20 minutes pretty much starts when they set that, um, sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. Um, <laughs> if they haven't seen it by now, tough fucking luck, dude. So, like, so uh, the, the last 20 minutes of that movie is literally just the part where they set that theater on fire and brutally murder Hitler. Right. Right. Like that's, and that, that's it. That's the entirety of it. They also like carve a swastika into that Nazi's head. And then that's it. That's the entire film. Um, which meant that while the airline hostesses were coming through several times to like pick up trash and like settle things in, (laughs) they just like over my shoulder saw like someone brutally murdering Hitler. It's like, I I think that if they saw me watching the first part of the movie, they might have understood. But the fact that it was only the last 20 minutes, I'm sure was very jarring for them. Like, did she just pull up the killing Hitler part of this movie? You know, you're going to like Brad Pitt in that movie. Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love when he's introduced as an Italian man and he goes, bonjour. <laughs> and then the my second favorite part of that, which also comes in like the last twenty minutes, is they get caught with um they get caught because they're not Italian, obviously not Italian. And um the Jew hunter is talking about how he's like not anti-Jew, right? Which is like bullshit. Like you killed enough Jewish people mm. that I feel like maybe <laughs> Well yeah. Maybe that's a justified fucking title. And he's like, it doesn't bother me that they're Jewish. I've been like, that's not the fucking point, buddy. You killed a lot of people. Okay. You're, you're a Whether, murderous bitch. Yeah. You're a murderous yeah. bitch. Like, let's not, let's not discuss the, the intricacies of this being like, oh, it was Jewish people. Well, it wasn't racist. I just killed, uh, you know, you know, I just killed, killed them because it was the people I was being hired to kill. Yeah. Like, and I like my job. So. It's like when people ask me if I like golf, and I'm like, not particularly, but I do like writing, except I'm not a murderer. You know? <laughs> so, so. Well, you know, the thing is, I think that you've uh, started to get a appreciation for golf. You're only digging this, this guy, this character's hole deeper. So basically, like, he's saying, like, oh, I don't really like the name. And my favorite joke in that entire series <laughs> is when um, the, the, other guy uh what's his fucking name he's in the office um but basically he's sitting there next to brad pitt it's what's his face from the office i'm gonna pull up i don't know i don't watch the office um i've only seen the first episode of the office because it sucks oh let's talk about that your what was your experience with the office the first time you watched it i've watched the first episode of it twice Mm-hmm. And both times I hated it so much that I didn't want to go on to the next episode. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you, the way you described it to me, you were like, it's just like watching a day of work unfurl. No, it wasn't. It's like watching a day of work unfurl if I worked with one of the biggest assholes that's ever walked. Yes. And yeah. like, and I can't like even pretend to go further because like, I'm just so angry. What Like it, 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 it didn't bring out any joy in me. It just brought out, I'm pissed. Yeah. So a few seasons in, BJ Novak becomes a character in the okay. office, in the U.S. office. He's also an Inglorious Bastards. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say BJ Novak? No. Okay, I'll pull up the picture. <laughs> His name's fucking BJ. Isn't that hilarious? Um, well, I mean. This man. 
showing a picture. Of oh, Pacino. yeah, I've seen him before. Yeah, so he's sitting there next to Brad something. fucking Pitt. And if anyone sits I, I next saw him to in that, Brad Pitt, <laughs> I right? I saw him in Inglorious Bastards. It's like, a, it's like a real juxtaposition because you're looking at Brad Pitt and then there's just this some other fucking guy, right? And it's just, it's, it's a... It, B.J. Novak looks like he is two feet tall in that chair. And Brad Pitt is pretty tall. They're and, talking about yeah. their names and stuff. And, and the Jew hunter looks at him and goes, hey, I didn't pick that name. We don't get to pick what they call us, okay? <laughs> and he goes, you know what they call you? They call you Aldo the Apache and the little man. He goes, the little man? Is that what they call me? They, he goes, yeah, that's what the German soldiers call you the little man <laughs> and bj novak's like why do they call me that and he like literally looks like a foot tall in the fucking chair <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's like it's one of those moments where you're like oh so we are acknowledging that bj novak's just sitting there like <laughs> pretending to be hard like so it was it, yeah like the the ending scene of that that movie is just it it has a lot of things that I forget are in there, and then I get to it. And well, it's like, like oh, yeah. it's like every Tarantino movie, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's just so much in it that by the time you get to the end, you're like, oh shit, I forgot all of this was in there. Like I, I watched the, uh, I mean, my my favorite two Tarantino films are Pulp Fiction and The Hateful Eight. Yeah, and I actually think I like The Hateful Eight a little better, right? Which may be blasphemy to some, but um, I think The Hateful Eight is good. I just have to be fully fucking rested to watch that movie. Like it, it is so full. Yeah, like I, I mean, the the thing that I really really respect about it is that it's about ninety percent of the movie takes place in one room, mm-hmm. and like making a plot that moves along and that you just can't stop watching that takes place in just one room is just kind of an incredible feat in movie making to me, (laughs) you know, like there's uh, literally we have this room and everything happens in there, (laughs) you know, I mean, there's a little bit at the start and like occasionally someone goes outside for a moment, but like mostly it's all in this one, you know, Mm -hmm. room, you know, and, um, there's just so much going on at every moment in the room Mm-hmm. That there's a full fledged, like, sort of almost an action movie happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, from that perspective alone, it's just incredible that, like, yeah. you can make something that compelling with just one room. But then, like, all of the dialogue that's happening that's supporting all of that from all of these different characters mm-hmm. who are all so full blown, right? Right. The, um, the the thing that I think he does really well in every one of his movies is that he can take this tiniest bit character and just with a few little lines, make them a full blown person and not a, a cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. Even the cardboard cutouts in Tarantino movies are 3d. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, it's <laughs> you know? like, I, I loved seeing a Western kind of like that because I did have a Western kick for a little bit. And a lot of modern Westerns really suck. Like they're really bad. They're so bad because they're, they are, they're cardboard cutouts of characters. Like they're not well written. A lot of them are just like playing off of the gun shooter element. And a lot of the plot lines are really kind of racist. Like, like, like they're not good. Um, and a lot of I, them, I, are, you know, the, the, like when I think of Westerns that I really love though, um, cause you know, I'm, I'm obviously a lot older, 
But uh, Clint Eastwood used to make these spaghetti western movies, they called them. Because <laughs> they were filmed in Italy. Yeah, and they were, um, they were, they were really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know, like in terms of their plot depth. But there were a whole lot of really bad actors in them, except for Eastwood. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, like, it, it, all, it almost lent to the, like, charm of it. That mm-hmm. there were a lot of, you know, kind of lame actors alongside this guy who has so much gravitas and so much charisma. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, he's kind of the Brad Pitt of his generation in terms of that, you know? Yeah. Like, the second he walks onto the screen, it's just all charisma. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't matter how bad the script is on any one of his movies, he'll make it work. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, well, that's who the I, I Leonardo that, DiCaprio character in, in, um, once upon a time in Hollywood is based off of, it's like almost a direct pull at Clint Eastwood. Right. Yeah. And I, like, I think they, um, uh, I'm obviously Tarantino loved Eastwood movies yeah. because he's, he pulls a lot of those same things together, but he just makes better movies. Yeah. out of them like yeah in terms of making everybody a real person mm-hmm. you know um and and also he you know has a knack for getting all of these huge actors to all be in one movie and apparently for not there's no way they could afford the budget if they actually paid mm-hmm. all these guys they're yeah. <laughs> they're normal <laughs> you know what i right well and i'd love um, to see um a film at the new new beverly his his theater in los angeles um harrison mentioned it to me like um, when he first moved out there and we never really went when I was visiting him in February, but it's one of those things where I'm like, that just sounds cool. It's like a 24 hour theater and it like has showings of classic films all the time. And then, you know, he'll do his premieres there sometimes. And it seems like a really cool place. And I'd love to like just watch a film in it. Well, you know, I, I think the really, you know, as we like delve into this whole thing, I think that Tarantino not only drives from the Westerns, but also from the non-Westerns that, that Eastwood did. Yeah. Which are like, like the Dirty Harry films. Yeah. There's so much of that. I forgot that Eastwood was Dirty Harry for a second. Oh my. Like, he really disappears into Dirty Harry. <laughs> Dirty Harry is the, <laughs> one of my favorite movie characters ever. I, rem- I remember Harry watching Callahan. Dirty Harry with you when I was a kid. Yeah. Because it mean, was one of those movies where like there were a few times where I looked at you and I was like, are you sure that I'm allowed to watch this? And you're like, nah, it'd be it's all fucking right. Dirty Harry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there are several of those films and each one of them has like, you know, uh, a, a Western theme, yeah. even though we're, you know, we're, yeah. we're, you know, we're in modern San Francisco or whatever, you know? Well, and honestly, <laughs> that's a lot of what Westerns are is like cop films. <laughs> like, well, like yeah. Just, I mean, cause that was what was going on in the West. A lot of crime and somebody trying to stop it, you know? Well, like there are only 12 people in town. So if one of them is a cop and one of them is a robber, like. It's like a third of the population is involved in this. So, well, yeah, I mean, and a lot of the legendary figures that like, even when they do historic things like, you know, um, uh, the, the tombstone movie that was made or, um, or Wyatt Earp, mm-hmm. you know, they're both about Wyatt Earp and they both came out the same year, which Hollywood get it together. Don't do that shit. Don't do two biopics about the same person in the same year. Yeah. Um, but they, <laughs> they were both great films. Right. Um, and, and, um, in, in different ways. And like Wyatt Earp got a short end of a stick from the critics perspective because Tombstone was such a more accessible to audiences kind of movie, you know, um, it was more a, um, 
you know, it was like the amusement park ride version of Wyatt mm-hmm. Earp's life, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with Val Kilmer playing Doc Holliday and mm-hmm. Kurt Russell and, you know, and then Wyatt Earp was like, you know, kind of more of a real biopic with Kevin Costner absolutely being incredible as Wyatt right. Earp, <laughs> you know, so it's like a, um, you know, they were different slants on the same story, mm-hmm. but like, um, those kind of stories like that are folklore, but were real. You know, they all center around some kind of a criminal conflict that happened. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if I ever told you about this, but for a while I had like a hybrid Western, um, basically it was like, I wanted to do cowboy, cowboys and shoguns mixed together. Um, and it basically was like heavily based on like using like Chinese folklore in a way where it like used like railroad workers as the vehicle into the American Southwest. Um, because Chinese immigrants built the fucking railroads and they have a lot of like stories and oral history that have been gathered through like, um, like there was a specific foundation with the, um, sorry, there's something going on with the computers right now that I don't understand. Um, keep going. Uh, so basically like, uh, like the, I think it's the university of San Francisco did an oral history of like descendants of the people who worked on the railroads. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there's a lot of like untapped stories of those people. And I thought it would be cool to like, basically use a mythical blade narrative and this like Shogun face off in a Western like setting. Right. So we have the cowboys facing off of, against this like dark rider of the night. And what instigates it is somebody touched a cursed blade that they shouldn't have, you know? Like, um, so like, I like the idea of like bringing in those other Western stories that aren't necessarily your traditional, like bandit and robs a bank and the sheriff runs after him kind of thing. Like there is, yeah. there's one that I, I found was specifically about, um, like the first female murderer in the American Northwest was this woman who like, they basically like erased her name from history. Right. I think they call her like Juanita, like the original Juanita was a girl who like was raped by her husband. And then she murdered him because he was going to murder her. And then they hung her like for it. Right. Right. And it became this old wives tale that she's like haunting that town in New Mexico. It's like. She probably was. She probably was. If it were me, I would haunt. I would haunt the fuck out of it. If I got raped and then I killed my rapist and then someone hung, hanged me for it. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd become a ghoul, you know? Yeah. You know, I think the, um, um, the, you know, the, the, you said there are other stories like, the the story of the hateful eight and Django Unchained are sort of similar. They're about b- bounty hunters. Yeah. Which I you know I love Tarantino's real life practical angle on that. Yeah. Which is they always say wanted or dead or alive. Yeah. But why the fuck would you ever bring them in alive? Yeah. Because <laughs> right? you get more it's money. Like <laughs> you get the same amount of money whether you get them dead or alive. And yeah. when you bring them in dead, it's easier, right? Yeah. Cause you've killed them and you don't have to worry about keeping them captive or them escaping. Yeah. Like they just kill them and throw them on the top of the horse and you know, done, uh, done. Right. Yeah. And it's like a really morbid thing that uh-huh. like, 
the, the funny thing about it is before I saw Django Unchained, which was before, you know, Hateful Eight. Yeah. Before I saw that, I never thought about it before. They said wanted dead or alive. I figured, you know, they would try to bring them in alive. Well, why the hell would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're allowed to kill them to bring them in and they're going to pay you the same thing. Um, of, of course they're basically asking you to go kill them and bring them. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're not, yeah. we're not giving you more money for your effort to keep them alive. In yeah. fact, when they get there, we'll probably kill them. Yeah. We're going to hang them anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> really, it doesn't matter to us. Uh, yeah. And it's, it, it's like, it, it, like it, it also speaks to the crazy amount of lawlessness that, that, yeah. that, that brings in because. You know, these people aren't even tried. If you say one a dead or alive, that means... Go ahead, go kill them. <laughs> and then we'll worry about if they were guilty later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Go ahead, go like, kill them. We'll worry about the guilty part Yeah, this later. is the this is the fascist state that, yeah. that the Old West was. <laughs> yeah. You know? And um, so it's a, it's a very interesting... Well, and know. it's also weird to me just to be like... There were so many fewer people on the planet, like, like, like just oh, absolutely yeah. insanely fewer people on the planet. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and like there were insanely fewer people on the planet when I was a kid. Yeah. That's and, crazy to think about. Too. And what's really crazy is crime rates were higher. Yeah. <laughs> the more people we've gotten, crime rates have gone down. Isn't yeah. that interesting? That is weird. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like that's an exact correlation. I feel like there are probably more factors in that. Well, the organization of civilization is shifting. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and also, you know, I mean the organization in America now there, there's high crime in other places (laughs) that hasn't gone down. I mean, you know, it just depends on your part of the world you're talking about. Right. You know, if you go into Nicaragua or something, there's a lot of crime that isn't reported to anyone because, well, you know, they're kind of a fascist dictatorship. <laughs> so. Well, I also think that there's very little, like, there's, a, we were talking about what counts as a felony the other day, Sid and I, and the thing is, like, a lot of people commit something that counts as, like, a class six felony without ever getting caught or knowing that they've done that. Because it includes things like petty theft. <laughs> like, so, so. Well, like, theft of anything that's over $500 is a, is a felony. felony. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you, like. Somebody more, goes and steals a cell phone, that's a felony. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. or you take something that you didn't, like, intend of course, to take. Stealing, you know? a, uh, stealing a cell phone since about 2011 is one of the dumbest things you can do. Because there's a GPS in it. Well, also because they put that, like, chip in every phone that, like, makes it unlockable. Yeah. Like, you can't unlock it if you don't have the original password, no matter what you do. Even the company can't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like a brick. Like, yeah. They did that on purpose so that there was no way to unlock them unless you were that person that owned it. And so it's like a, you know, uh, it's like the dumbest thing to steal because it's worthless if you don't have the, <laughs> yeah. if you don't have the code to unlock it with, uh, I mean, it's like worse than worthless. It's like a thing that could get you caught and you can't unlock it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but it's also like there are certain things that it's even worse now. If you think about it, like the newest thing they've done, like the new Apple phones only have electronic SIMs. Mm -hmm. There's no card slot at all. Yeah. So like, since it does like it is, it's only serial number is electronic and like ROM forged, you know, like it's read only memory built into the phone. Yeah. So you can't change its serial number. You can't unplug a thing and stick something else in it. (laughs) Like, yeah. Stealing one of those is like literally the stupidest criminal thing to do. Right. Well, like we've talked about that from a different, less sinister angle because my phone, like I have a SIM card that's like a prepaid phone plan basically for when I'm in the UK. Right. So like we've discussed this because for a second I thought I didn't have my US SIM card like before I found it again. Um, And now I have like a very specific little baggie in which my UK SIM card is in there. But we had discussed that because I was like, hey, if I take the SIM card out, what the fuck do I do? And you were like, well. It has an electronic one. So even though it has a card in it, the iPhones for the last few years have also had an electronic SIM. So you could call Verizon and have them activate that. Yeah. But like the the new ones, like my new iPhone here, it has no SIM card. It's all electronic. Yeah. So and if I wanted so, to take that phone to the UK, I couldn't just put a new SIM card in it. I'd have to get a literal burner phone. No, you take that phone and have them activate it because it has dual electronic SIM cards in it. Fun. <laughs> okay. So they just activate the other SIM card. Hmm. Well, it's not a know. card. It's just built in. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that it's probably... The reason Apple went to not doing the cards is because they wanted all the phone companies around the world to adopt it. Yeah. And to stop messing with SIM cards. So they're just forcing it on everyone. Yeah. And here's the thing. Once Apple did it, I guarantee Samsung's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, in is... fairness, I'm kind of pro that because right now I have a little baggie in my phone or right. in my wallet with a very small fucking the, SIM card. That you can lose. That yeah. I could very easily lose. <laughs> right. Like, you know me, I've lost car keys. I lose everything. Uh. Like, there's trackers on most things I own because I lose them But so you can't easily. put a tracker on that SIM card. because No. It's so it's in a very specific spot and it will not be leaving there <laughs> until I'm back in the UK. And then right. my SIM card from here will go back in that baggie and go back in that unless place. you need to call the u.s for some reason yes then, exactly yeah. Yeah. well you know i i think that um we should talk about your travel oh my God. between yeah. uh glasgow and indianapolis which yeah. i think is a truly creative way to get here from glasgow <laughs> and i don't i don't you know i don't know that many others have traveled that path you know, I, I, my philosophy is just very much like sometimes things start going a little fucky and you you got to just lean in, you know. <laughs> so basically, I my original flight plan was fucking insane. Like I did not like it. It was like I booked a round trip flight when I initially moved there because I knew I was coming home to photograph a friend's wedding in October. Right. And I was like, you know, what, I'll just worry about the return flight later on. That'll be a purchase down the line. But right now I'll have this, this, this round trip flight. So I don't have to worry about booking my flight for the wedding. Well, because it was a itinerary that was separated by several months, the flight was 
changed. So I had two layovers when I went to the UK. I had three fucking layovers when I came back. So on the way back, your original flight plan was to go from Glasgow to Amsterdam to Boston to Detroit to Indy. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just an absolute onslaught of a day. And I had lay, like like <laughs> at least a one to two hour layover in each of those cities, right? And so right. the worst of those layovers was in Amsterdam, actually. So I flew that morning from Glasgow to Amsterdam. And there was a little bit of a situation where they like, because they had changed my flight to add an additional stop, they couldn't find it at the KLM desk when I tried to check in that morning. And I had to have them manually look it up and check me into the flight, um, which was a pain in the butt, but they got me on the air- airplane. And then I had my boarding pass all the way through Detroit and had to, like, it was just too far out from my final flight to book my, like, boarding pass and print it out. So, so it was like, that's how, that's how long a travel that's, day it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it was, it was going to be such a long travel day they couldn't that give I couldn't you all of your check in for the last one yet. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> and I went, okay, that's fine. This is this is fine. So they fly me to Amsterdam. It was all for the best anyway. I as have it a, turns out. I have a four hour layover in Amsterdam. So I eat an overpriced sandwich, I drink an overpriced soda, and then I <laughs> go to my gate, I wait for my gate, we load on, we are in the air. I'm sitting next to a Scottish family where the man clearly has like Parkinson's disease because every few minutes he just starts shaking violently and then stops. Okay. And I'm, so this is probably a little disconcerting on a flight. Yeah. It's not the best ever. And I'm, you know, I brought my knitting, not that you don't feel for the guy, my headphones in, you know, there's a baby crying less than 10 feet away from me. Um, which just really like affected me in my brain. Um, so already it's not like the greatest flight ever, but I was like, you know what? It's only going to be eight hours and then it'll be over and that's it. That's fine. It's, it's like a really bad work day. Right. Right. We get two and a half hours in and the pilot comes on and he's like, Hey, just so you know, we've lost a generator. Which never sounds good to me. No, it's not a, it's not a phrase I like hearing when I'm on the flight, when they say we've lost a generator. My immediate thought is that I need to put my head between my legs and kiss my ass goodbye. Yeah. So like we're over the Atlantic ocean. Right. And I'm feeling like this might be the port. Well, you know, they always say if you, if we have a water landing Yeah, and and I never feel good about a water landing, I don't feel good about it. I I don't know anyone that does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, a water landing is okay if you're on one of those planes that literally floats on the water, but this is like a jetliner, right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have the little flotation floaties on the bottom of the plane, right? It, I've, I, you know, I always operate under the assumption that if the row is greater than four seats, it's probably one of those ones that turns into a boat of some fashion when you land. We, well, but we hope. We hope. Yeah. But I don't know that it'll luckily, float. Luckily, that's not what we had to worry about. Okay. Instead, he goes, so we're going to have to turn around and return to Amsterdam, <laughs> which is not what, something I want to hear two and a half hours into a flight. And, you all. know, they have to go back to Amsterdam, even though other cities with airports were closer. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I obviously I am not the airline, so I can't tell you exactly why that is. But they said, oh, we have to go to Amsterdam. So we had to do a two and a half more hours on the flight. And everybody's like had to just sit and stew on that. Oh, we're staying in Amsterdam tonight thought. Right. 
without any information or any ability to reach out to people and say, Hey, travel plans are changing. Hey, I need to figure this out. Hey, airline rebook my fucking flight, please. Mm. <laughs> um, so you just, the, the room was getting kind of tense. The pilot even came on and made some very dry <laughs> jokes like, Hey, just, so you know, and I bet everybody thought he was hilarious. Well, he's, here's the thing. It's like, he had this kind of voice where you didn't know if he was joking or not. So like he came on and he was like, um, I've gotten quite a few questions from you guys. Many, many questions from you guys. Um, like why isn't the onboard Wi-Fi working? And so the reason for that is because, um, the generator that we lost, because we lost the generator and there's not enough power to fly the plane. Yeah. So we're going to turn off all things that aren't, you know, essential, essential. to yeah. the plane flying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. You know, and right. uh, he goes, so, uh, there will not be another meal served on this plane because none of the ovens work and we're turning around, but, uh, we will send the, uh, flight attendants around for another round of drinks for you all. Because double vodka, please. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Because you need it. Because you need that right now. We'd like to liquor you all up. Just right a now. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We like lubricate you a little bit. And so don't yell yeah. at us. Yell at someone else. Yes. They're very much. And so we get off of the plane. It's like 1130. But by the time we disembark back into Amsterdam, which means the airport's closing, right? And which means the only people really who are working at the airport are specifically there to get us the fuck out of the airport and into a hotel. <laughs> so they lead us to this row right. of kiosks that are generally meant to like transfer your flight shit, but they also apparently print out hotel vouchers when you are stranded. Um, because of like because all of the kiosks are not working none of us were getting our flight vouchers printed off and there's this one guy who like clearly primarily speaks dutch who is ignoring a lot of karens who are yelling in his in his face um and he just keeps handing them a paper about how klm will reimburse them if they pay for a hotel um and i'm sitting there thinking i don't really have the money or time to book a fucking hotel at 11:30 at night in Amsterdam like I like that logistically speaking that's just not in the books for Be, me. being is the only place you've been in Amsterdam before is, is the, the airport, airport. Right. yeah and I am I I you know I can speak speak a little bit of French I don't know any Dutch or German so I'm like that's really not an an option. Um, okay. Like I'm not going to navigate a new city's like hotel structure right now. That's not happening. And I, you know, I'm doing what I always do in a mob setting, which is I'm hanging back and listening. Um, and a group of very concerned people have somehow managed to get some of the flight attendants to hop behind the desk at the KLM station and start handing out vouchers by manually looking up each passenger in the system. So a queue forms, I get in the first 20 people in that queue. Um, and I go ahead and get my flight voucher and a meal ticket for the next day. And, <laughs> and a guarantee that I will get my rebooked flight in the next three hours. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so then what happens is you're supposed to navigate through the labyrinth that is Amsterdam Sheeple airport, uh, just a little background for anyone who hasn't traveled through Amsterdam before. Uh, that fucker has like 
six concourses. That shit runs A to H. That's a lot of concourses. It's a lot of fucking I concourses. feel like finding your way in there in a different language is probably a challenge anyway. It literally... But after five hours on a flight and an entire day of movement. So you, you get off of a flight on any of those concourses and there are maps that tell you the walking distance to other concourses. Right. Getting from D to G takes 30 minutes. Holy cow that's a long time <laughs> yeah so i'm like already dreading I this because i was like oh i was really hoping i wouldn't have to find the this exit feels like this you know i haven't been to amsterdam but in toronto the airport is that large yeah like you've been walking for 20 minutes and they have signs up it's a 10 minute walk to customs from here yeah and you're like what is this fucking king's island am yeah. i on cue for a roller coaster yeah what what kind of airport has a sign that they had to put up to tell you that there's 10 more minutes of walking to get to Before customs? Before you get to customs. Yeah. So <laughs> the, I would say they don't really give you good instructions on where the fuck the shuttle pickup was. And so I like not. almost, they don't immediately, do that anywhere. almost yeah. immediately upon like walking away from this desk, I see a group of people who are around my age and I go ahead and do what I do best, which is I walked up to you them. You made friends. Said, Hey, <laughs> hi there. I'm from Indiana. I see that you're around my age. Are we heading to the same place? Because I would like to problem solve this together. And hopefully one of you speaks a language that's helpful to me. <laughs> and most of them were like Polish software engineers. But there was one girl from Pittsburgh who was half Polish. Ah, um, and she, so she was a was fucking an, delight. So she was an interpreter. Well, see, I think that she was more the main event. Um, because it was like the Polish guys were very much fascinated by her. She was like, yeah, I made friends on the flight. Um, and she is even more personable than I. So she just basically like automatically started telling me like personal details of her life. Like, oh, my mom booked me this trip as a surprise. I'm not even supposed to be here. She's waiting for me to get off the plane. And she's like telling me her whole, <laughs> like the backstory. And I'm like, oh, cool. We're like that close now. Cool. <laughs> Um, she also, my favorite part about her is that she kept just interjecting every few minutes. Like I need a fucking cigarette. And I was like, hell yeah, you're from Pittsburgh. And that's fantastic. <laughs> like, like, I love her. She's so fun. <laughs> We're friends on Instagram now. Um, and you know, she's basically like, she's the morale booster in the group. And then there's this other Polish guy. I think his name was like Mark or something. Not really sure. Um, he and I basically only communicated through like, he'd say something in English that would only like half make sense. And then I'd say like mainly through gestures, like, Hey, I think that that sign says this and that might be our like way out. Uh, so basically like, just imagine you are in an escape room with six to 15 other people all trying to get out of that escape room together. Um, you are like surrounded by people who are mostly speaking in Polish. Uh, and then also, uh, it's weirdly like abandoned mall themed and has like, so it feels <laughs> like, you know, like a post-apocalyptic movie. Yes. Yeah. Like, like you've fallen into like the third version of, um, zombie land or something. 100%. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> there was this one part where it was like, we finally made it through to the next level of the airport where it was like, you, we were walking through baggage claim to the customs desk, which was ab abandoned for the night. Um, and the like 
carousels for the luggage were still like whirring silently. And there were just like two people who were like completely dead in the eyes on opposite end of the room, just like staring. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how some places become like, it's, 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 it's like eerily lifeless. Like this place is supposed to be full of life. Yeah. And when like things shut down there, it be, it, it's like worse than a, a funeral home. It's fucking right? terrifying in there. Yeah. Right. Like, um, like amusement parks are like that, right? Yeah. Like in the off season, you know what I'm saying? It's just weird to be there. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I've been in an amusement park when it's closed in the off season and it's just so weird. Yeah. You know, like it's so like, like all of the life has left this place and this place is completely full of life generally right and i i I feel like airports are the same way yeah so it's like that and we finally got through the last leg of it and we were walking out the door and i remember like looking over my shoulder and i'll uh the girl from pittsburgh she has a thin cigarette dangling out of her mouth like before we're even through the revolving door and she's like already got a lighter on and she's like lighting it Cause it's been, it's been like half a day since she's she, had a cigarette. Yeah. Right? yeah she's like, and she, so, so she's, she's jonesing, right? Like right. she's really been holding off and she takes one hit of it. And I just remember her like looking at her phone, taking a hit off of the cigarette and she goes, I need a fucking drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, we really are working through Maslow's hierarchy of needs here. Like, like. Well, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, now you're making me think of the first Iron Man yeah. when he gets off the plane. He's like, I need, you know, blah, blah, blah. And an American cheeseburger. Right. <laughs> me. Yeah. Yeah. I had Sada take me to Kuma's last night. Cause I was like, I just need, I need red meat. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, but, like yeah. I, I don't want a fucking smash burger. I'm so tired of people smashing my burger. I just want like a, uh, like a, a big, ham thick, juicy burger. hamburger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So basically we're standing and apparently the last shuttle of the night is just, and then, you Not know, and there. then this morning I've served you up some biscuits and gravy, yes. which I know they don't have because that would serve up some sort of weird scone thing. And like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what they would do for gravy. Yeah. Like, so it's like we, it just took us like, it was like 1230 at night before we even got into the lobby at the hotel in Amsterdam. And by 1245, we were finally checked in and had all our rooms and, and Pittsburgh looks at me and she goes, you know what, let's have a drink together. And I was like, my flight leaves at 10. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't miss my morning flight. I, but and so like for that 15 minutes, I was like pacing my room and I was really like considering it. I was like, do I just go to bed? Do I just go to bed? And I was like, fuck it. And so I went down and I got a drink with them and we sat for maybe an hour and like, it was it was one of those things. These where are things like, you, you know can what? afford to do when you're 25. Yeah. But that my 50 year old ass would have been like, so passed out on my face in the bedroom. <laughs> you're like, I'm going to become part of that weird twin bed situation Fuck, where they push oh, them together. I've been out like a yeah. light. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, the beds were not comfortable. They, it was not like, of course I wouldn't have even given any, like I'd love to have a drink with you guys, but I'm going to pass out on my you, face. You might've actually gone. No, <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I had my, I had my little gin and tonic. I was barely awake. I was just kind of like, you know, it was weird. Like I'd been walking through an airport with these guys, but I hadn't really gotten a good look at them. And one of them was like probably 10, 15 years older than you. Polish guy didn't say a word of English to me the entire time. Right. But he was wearing 
all Tommy Hilfiger from head to toe. Like he had Tommy glasses, he had on a Tommy polo shirt, and then uh, a Tommy um, fanny pack, Tommy pants, Tommy socks. Tommy I gotta shoes. tell you, I have some cool Tommy Hilfiger sunglasses. Yeah. And they are so comfortable. Yeah. I don't know how they made the shape of them like that. Well, it, it's clear that like this man but. was like, I am a stan of Tommy Hilfiger. Like he is my my boy, my guy. Tommy's my my dude. My rotten soldier. Yeah, like just <laughs> just like <laughs> I'm all about the Tommy. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So it was it was kind of delightful to like notice little things about them like that. But so the 1015 flight, did you make this? I did make the 1015 flight. Okay, yeah. and that flew to where? Because like before you were going to so, Boston and then Detroit. Yes, so they completely skipped over Detroit. They were like, we'll just take you straight to Detroit. And they I skipped said, over Boston. Well, yeah, I didn't ah. have to go to Boston at all. Well, that's not um, a bad thing. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, you know what? If you make me come back to Amsterdam, at least I'm not technically adding another flight. Like I boarded yeah, just Yeah, you have the same planes. amount of jumps as you were going to have. Yes. It's, it's just, just I, that one of them was backwards and then... And uh, then, yes. Yeah, so no Boston was basically the main difference maker. Okay. Um, and then... Believe me, missing so, Logan or Airport was not a big loss for you. So the big, the big nice thing about that flight to Detroit was you remember I was saying like crying baby, man with Parkinson's on my shoulder the entire time. Right, that was the the earlier five hour version. Yes. So the eight hour version was way different. I was in the back row, which meant there was no one behind me, mm-hmm. and no one really like like some teenagers in front of me who basically slept the entire flight. And so I they, was in they, the middle section. They put baby in a corner? They put baby in a corner in the best way possible because I had an empty fucking seat beside me. But but, but nobody puts baby in a corner. I was literally an aisle seat, aisle seat with an empty seat in the middle. And then the other side, I'm never, I'm never sat next to people my age. But this was my day because on the other side of that empty seat was three 25-year-old Italian men. Okay. <laughs> The entire time, they just were giving the flight attendants so much shit. These guys, like, were speaking Italian the entire flight. Did I, I think we had one conversation, and it was, I, like, leaned over, and I was like, hey, can I borrow your phone charger? Because I didn't have one. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't have one on the flight. Like, please help me. And he <laughs> lended me his charger, but he did say, he was like, what percent are you at? And I was like four percent and he goes oh i'm at 75 here you go and i was like buddy i wouldn't have fucking asked if i was at 75 (laughs) yeah like that's a lot i'm gonna approach a stranger about this before i'm at five percent here's the thing bailey i know you and that phone almost never has 75 in it yeah it has let's check you know (laughs) i mean 84 84 oh look at that you actually charged your phone i did i bought a charger the other day i'm impressed well because my uh, so the charger i moved with has now failed like my iphone won't recognize it anymore so i bought a new one and its end is like a uk plug so when i was packing i was like well there's no fucking point in bringing this because there's no outlets (laughs) that'll use it on the way there like right it's not like a usb on one end or anything so Mm. Yeah, basically that was the only interaction I had with these so guys. So it, it, it wasn't one where the USB plugs into a block and the block plugs in? No, it's it, literally... It's, it's like actually got the plug on the end of it. Yeah. So you were yeah. hosed. Yeah, it was right. hosed. So yeah. basically like I borrowed this guy's phone charger. That was the only interaction we had. He slept for most of the flight anyway, so he did not need that fucking charger. Um, did you get all the way up to 100? Yes, I did. And then I gave it back to him snap, as snap. soon as he woke up. And 
basically when he was not sleeping or speaking loudly in Italian to his friends, he was up during the fastened seatbelt sign being on and the flight attendants were told, <laughs> told him like four to five times, like, Hey, you need to find your seat and sit in it. The, like we're going to experience turbulence. And he was like, yeah, I will. And then he'd sit down for two seconds and immediately stand back up. And then he f- figured out very quickly that the room they were standing in behind us was like the hostess's stand. And so he kept walking back there and asking them for red wine. And they kept giving it to him. They kept giving him two glasses of red wine for him and his friend and then going, but you guys need to stay in your seats, okay? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then he'd stand at his seat drinking the red wine until he'd finish. And then he'd go back and ask for another Was, was this like AJ's doppelganger? It sounds like, like, you know, like your brother's <laughs> doppelganger. I was just like, every time he did it, I laughed a little harder. Because AJ would do that. Like, and literally, so they would, can you sit down? Yeah, I'll sit down. No problem. But not sit down. Like. <laughs> and then he does this like three or four times. And then he pulls his bag out of the overhead. And I think like he pulls out what looks to be a vape and starts cleaning it manually with a very small Q-tip. And in my head, I'm like, based on prior information, there's no fucking way this man is not about to vape in this airplane. <laughs> right. And then he didn't. And I was shocked. I was like, well, that might set off just... some sort of an alarm though. Yeah, no, no, no. But yeah. I, don't, I don't think this man fears anything. Like, well, <laughs> like he might, yeah, you, you know, he might have a certain level of, I don't want to set off an alarm. That would and be then bad. Get kicked out of the U S or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he literally, he yeah. cleaned his vape put it back together, put it back in the carry on for last descent. Yeah. Cause that would probably set off at like a smoke alarm. Yeah. Even though it's was, not smoke. I was telling Sid, I was like, yeah. So like basically at the end of it, like didn't have a conversation with this man the entire flight. And then I'm like grabbing my stuff from the overhead and he makes eye contact with me for the aisle and he winks and he goes, I'll see you around. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you're just going to sneak that like flirt in at the end of this eight hour flight. That's weird. And Sid was like, honestly, if three Italian men sat next to you for eight hours and didn't flirt with you at all, that's kind of an insult. I was like, that's fair. (laughs) That's a good point. He was throwing you one at the end to make sure that you didn't feel insulted. Yes. Yeah. Just a little wink. Just so you know. I I mean, I think the Italian men would probably even flirt with me. They should. Yeah. You're a good looking man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Coming from my daughter, it really makes me feel like I have something going too. Uh, no, but listen, you either take the compliment because <laughs> we look similar, or you can make it not a compliment. I see. I, we we look similar. We we are related. That so. is true. Yeah. Yeah. The good parts of your face are definitely why people think that I'm pretty. You think so? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I mean, the bad parts of your face are... I I just wish that I didn't have those, you know? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Me too. I wish I didn't have the bad parts. So, you landed in Detroit safely. Yes, Yes, I did. Then what happened? (laughs) Ha, 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 So, I I have a friend in Detroit who I've known for years. We, like, um, we met at... This is a weird thing. So... Vans, the shoe company does have this one event that they tour around. It's like called Vans off the wall. And what they do is that they put a a fucking skate park into a building. Um, and then they also host like a bunch of events out of that space while they like 
have the temporary lease on the space. So a few friends of mine a few years ago went up to one of those like indoor skate parks. And then there was also a free Danny Brown and Joyce Manor concert in that building that night. Danny Brown's hometown is Detroit. So it was a hometown show. It was fucking crazy. And while we were in the crowd, we met my friend Nico and his friend Tori. And Nico and I have been mutuals on like a few different accounts ever since. Like just, we've always like kind of maintained this like internet friendship. He and my friend Winter and I, like we all like have just been like kind of like internet connected for a very long time. So I told Nico like, LOL, I'm in your city. And he goes, oh, you want to get lunch? And I was like, sure. As long as I make my fucking flight in four hours. And so we go, we get food. And then he's like, oh, let me show you around. Like, blah, blah, blah. He's showing me the sights. I'm like, okay, I need to get back to the airport, please. He takes me and drops me off at the wrong fucking terminal. Because, like, Detroit's airport has two fucking terminals. So Mm -hmm. it's like you have the one with all of the other airlines. And then you have the Delta terminal. And the Delta terminal is where you needed to be is in a different fucking place. (laughs) Like it's in a different, it's like, so I had to go to the shuttle and wait for the shuttle and then get, and then from the shuttle, it's like a 15 minute drive to the other fucking terminal. And then you still have to check in, go through security and find your gate. And I even maybe would have made it if I had not gone to the wrong gate, because my gate had changed from what was on my ticket. So I was on concourse A, my flight left from concourse B, and it's just, the concourses are in completely fucking different locations. There are big wings. You have to take like a train between the concourses. Yeah, you have to take the train through the concourses. And so I figured this out like too late. And I like literally had to call Nico and go, hey buddy, you fucked up, I fucked up, we all fucked up, you need to help me out. And he was like, what if I like, what if you get like a bus? And I was like, the next time they can get me on a plane, will put me in Indianapolis at 11 PM tonight. I want to be home before 11 PM tonight. And I don't want my dad to have to pick me up because of this mistake. So how about we go ahead and take that on the chin together. And he was like, I'll pick you up in 20 minutes. I was like, fuck yeah. Thank you. So, so Nico, we got to give him big props. Yeah. He's drove, a good guy. Drove you all the way to Indiana. He didn't drive me. I drove his car. Well, but still, that's he like still a, had to drive back. Yeah. He, and it is four hours from Detroit to Indy. Yeah. So. He literally, when he dropped me off, I was like, I guess text me when you're home safe. And he goes, I'm not going to text you unless I need help. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And he goes, so if I don't talk to you, then just assume I made it home. All right. <laughs> I was like, okay good to know i assume that you've talked to him since and that he is okay yes he is fine okay. he he literally um, thank you nico for bringing her back he was joking with me he goes um so on the way down we stopped at like some podunk like gas station and i accidentally put seven dollars of like nitro plus in his car because it like the buttons were weird and I accidentally just put, put $7 the, the high in like, octane gas. In yeah. There. The high octane, like luxury vehicle gas in his car. And then I was like, Oh fuck that. I was like the, the sun visor is broken in here. I'm not putting fucking high octane <laughs> gas in it. Well, it probably cleaned out the engine a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it did because he, he messaged me and he goes, I don't know what that nitro plus shit did, but like that tank lasted extra long. <laughs> 
Well, the, it probably cleaned out the uh, fuel injection in the car, yeah. which would make it get better gas mileage. You know, maybe like, I should do that for the truck. If it's an older V, you know, like it's been around for a while with fuel yeah. injection, the fuel injectors get a little gunked up and, and it causes yeah. it to not, if you put a higher octane gas in it, it'll sometimes clean out the injectors. That might've been it. Cause it was like a 2012 Hyundai. Mm-hmm. So that was probably why, but yeah. Yeah. He texted me. He was like, yeah, thank you for the super gas. Maybe I should do that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. It's but. not really built for that. So I wouldn't do it often. Uh, and I wouldn't do a full tank of it. That no, seems I mean, I literally did like two, yeah. like two gallons of it tops. No, yeah. actually, I think it was a little over one gallon. Because it's just the, expensive too. Yeah, it is. But yeah. Yeah. The actually, um, you know, generally regular is 87. If you put 89 octane, because that's probably a 93 or 94 that you were talking about. Like the little number on the gas pump. It literally, uh, that was not the main feature of the top tag. Yeah, and the, I like, was there's always a yellow tag really on there easy. that says like 87, 91, 89. Yeah. Yeah. Like generally, um, if you put an 89, which is a super not super unleaded, they uh-huh. call it, um, then that would be the high enough to, you know, make a difference. When you start putting 93 and 94 in there, you're putting like racing fuel in your in your car that's what they use in like corvettes and things okay see that's kind of i had to go back in to get the attendant to like clear off the pump Mm -hmm. and he literally went oh yeah you wouldn't use that unless you're driving like a fucking tesla or something and i was like teslas are electric so you wouldn't put that in there at all he was like he was just saying you wouldn't put it i think their direct thing he said was you wouldn't put that in a car that costs less than two hundred thousand (laughs) dollars Like and a Lamborghini was, pulls in, they want to put the 95 in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I was like, well, it definitely costs less than that. <laughs> <laughs> Way less than that. Yeah. 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 So. Way less. Which I can't yeah. talk. So th- like, what was the truck. total travel time here for the trip? Like, I left. Oh, there's time zone differences. Um, so I left at, I left the apartment. Like I left my home in Glasgow at a, probably 7.30 Glasgow time, which is five hours ahead, which is 2 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday morning. Right. And I didn't get back to Indy until... 9 p.m. on Wednesday. Wednesday. So you traveled for 36 hours would have been 2 in the afternoon, or 24 would have been 2 in the afternoon, so 7 no, more. No, two, 2 in the morning would be 24. Oh, so two in the afternoon would have been 36 yeah. plus seven more. So 43 hours. Yeah. That's it took you 43 right. hours to get from Glasgow to Indianapolis. Yes. That's impressive. Thank you. It was a long day. It seems it like more than days. a day. It's it was almost two. <laughs> in fact, I would say it was almost exactly. Did two. you, did, did you, you think about taking a Conestoga wagon as well? <laughs> Just to have another mode of transport during the trip? Well, you know, I didn't use a train, um, which I'm kind of disappointed in because I didn't do planes, trains, automobiles. Yeah, you could have. You could have done trains easily. You didn't take a train to the airport from in Glasgow? No, because it's just, it's not. You took an Uber or something? I took a taxi. Um, right, same Because they'll pop up to your door. Right. Which is actually quite nice. And they're only like, here's the thing about taxis is like, if you call Glasgow taxi, it's only like two to three more dollars than an Uber would be. Uh-huh. So. 
but a little more reliable. It's so much more reliable. And the, <laughs> and the car is way cleaner on average. Like it's just mm. actually maintained. So yeah, I've taken many a taxi, like yeah. actual taxis. Yeah, they do yeah. like pretty much all of the Glasgow taxis. I know you're going like to find this one. This is an odd so. one, but I've never taken an Uber. Huh. Yeah, I've, I've only taken taxis. I don't like, see. Mm-hmm. I don't think you. I, I assume that the reason is your size. Is that. Well, I mean, I'm big and like, so, you know, but on Uber, I think you can pick vehicle, right? Like it shows you what kind of vehicle like it is. You can do like the Uber yeah. XL, yeah. Like, like you look at it and it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to take this because they're going to pick me up in a, you know, Mini Cooper and that ain't going to work, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I um, but no, I mean, generally it's just been that I, I, I never use taxis and le- or any of that if I can help it. So right. like the... Um, the taxis, like when I've been in Chicago, um, on business trips before, um, I would use a taxi here and there because like getting your car out of parking and driving somewhere else in Chicago uh-huh. might be an issue. So right. I'd like grab a taxi to go to like dinner or whatever and come back to the hotel. Yeah. Um, oh, and then another one is that like, um, whenever we go to Mexico, uh, I'm taking nothing but taxis and they don't really, I mean, I don't know that Uber's a thing there. Yeah. So, and I wouldn't use it anyway in Mexico. I would want the actual taxis. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, so like when we, you know, go to Cancun or Cabo or whatever, like I'd take a lot of taxis cause I'm yeah. not driving in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> but like, well, and that's kind of how I feel in the UK. Like someone asked me like, Oh, is it fun learning to drive on the other side of the road? I'm like, well, most of the cars are manual and also the laws are a lot stricter there. So I'm not driving in the UK. Like, and also I don't have to. So like it like here it's just you absolutely have to to get anywhere like even to the fucking grocery store whereas in the uk you pretty much do not have to at any time and it's not like oh i wish i had a bike like it's fine you don't absolutely have to here like brentley smith uh he's you know um sight impaired yeah so he can't drive so he takes buses and taxis ubers Mm -hmm. yeah you know but it's like it's like one of those things where it's like you're still in a car like yeah, I mean, it's there's there's not any train stuff in Indy, so yeah. it's well, either public bus or uh, you know Uber or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in Glasgow, most things are like super fucking walkable. Like even if you're not in city center, like I'm not in city center. Um, there's a whole bunch of different bus routes that are just actually to where you need to go. Like I feel like in Indy, the problem is. It's like, oh, well, the bus stop is a 30-minute walk from here. And then, like, from wherever it drops you off, it's another 30-minute walk to where you want to go. Yeah, I feel like if you're going, like, they they have better bus routes over the last couple of years. Yeah. But I feel like, um, you know, a lot of the time, you if you're going to do the bus, you're just planning something that's along the route. Yeah. You know? And, and they do have certain places that are destinations that are kind of the bigger shopping areas. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, there's buses that... There's several bus stops in like Fountain Square and there's a bunch of them downtown. I mean, you could pretty much stop anywhere. Well, like uh, for example, my friends Felix and Naran, they live literally like I can hop on the bus from right outside my apartment and the number six line goes straight to their front door on the other side of the city. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, I think that in in the UK, um, life is smaller. And so you're in, um, because it's a smaller, you know, compacted kind of situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just structured 
in a way that makes it easier to get around in. Like it's it's like yeah. the city is just structured. I mean, you know, New York City, uh, people that. people live on you know buses and trains. You know the same yeah. the same way. Yeah. You know. Well, the thing with uh, is that's just the doesn't... thing with Chicago. Like well, that's why I've taken taxis up there. Right. Because like you know I drive into Chicago, but like you know you stay at a hotel and you've got to go like six blocks, which is right. kind of too far to walk because in Chicago the blocks are not small. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, it's it's a half hour walk mm-hmm. or I can take a taxi down there. Great. I'll just catch a taxi in front of the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and well, then and that's catch also, one in the back. It's know? like there, you know, we talk about the death of the American small business. Right. And like a lot of what's weird about living in the UK is like the small business structure is like like they like places sell less but there are a lot more places selling it like there are far more produce sands within a like one mile radius and like that alone is just a weird difference it's like there are just a whole fuckload of small grocers rather than going to one kroger yeah well i mean i think that that's also the case in our bigger cities still (laughs) i wouldn't think so not in indianapolis well, Indianapolis is not a bigger city. Well, it is a mid-sized American city, is right. what most of the America has. I, w- I would agree with that, but like it's I would like say 14th that fourteenth in the country. There's lots of little shops and stores like that, though, in Chicago or in Detroit. Yeah, because <laughs> like I would say, uh, here's yeah. the thing: when we say, "Oh, yeah, it's still there in our larger cities," we're talking about three cities. We're talking about Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago. And even in Los Angeles, it's like got that urban sprawl thing. So only certain neighborhoods really have it. I don't know. Boston and Detroit, um, probably, I would say it's still pretty hefty there too. Detroit, mm-hmm. not so much. Like I've been uh, to Detroit maybe I, two or three Detroit times has kind like of that. settled because it got a lot smaller during the last decade and a half. That's but. true. Like if you live like downtown Detroit, you could probably get yeah. everything you need. Within it a used to be something. like a lot like Chicago, but it got a lot smaller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like mm-hmm. St. Louis isn't like that at all either. Oh no. St. Louis isn't, I mean, it isn't that big either. So. Yeah. It's like you <laughs> have to, like, if I didn't have a car in St. Louis, I wouldn't be able to live. Oh, no, no, really. no. No, you wouldn't. Well, St. Louis and Indy would definitely not. You wouldn't want to not have a car. Yeah. Um, well, and or, or like, you know, or if you were like even even a, a fairly good sized city like Cleveland, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to not have a car. It's kind of sprawled out. Yeah. You like, know? And honestly, <laughs> I think I could probably do like Miami without a car. Oh, I but wouldn't. it would be a time. Like, it would be a lot. Like, I would really mm. need to a lot some time to commuting like i did i, I would want a car i did their Miami. bus system yeah. and their like train system when i was surveying people in miami my like senior year of college and i was like this is most of my day is trying to get around with this yeah i would i would have a car miami and uh that area is definitely i mean as long as you're going to stay in like a maybe a 10 block area of Miami. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? I, I assume you're talking about like safety wise. No, no, no. I'm talking about the fact that like, uh, you know, Miami is a sprawling city. The, like, it is. Uh, like, it's, it's, it, it's not just Miami itself. It's like, you know, there's like 10 other cities near it that have kind of been, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, they're not Miami, but they might as well be. Cause you can't really tell where the city's end. Yeah. But like <laughs> what I'm saying is like, you can like their train system will get you from city to city pretty quickly. But like yeah, at least but, within but Miami proper, like but you're, you're getting dropped, like or yeah. Miami I mean, even even if you do like that, that, you're landing like near, you know, you're in a very narrow path. 
Yeah. That. You're like, like, I'm going to downtown Coral Gables. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not because it spreads really fast. Yeah. You know? Right. But like um, what I'm saying is like, I wouldn't live in a suburb of Miami without a car. But if I were living in like the design district of Miami, I wouldn't need a car. Well, that's true. And I mean, that's true in Indy too. If you lived in the right downtown district, you wouldn't need a car. I mean, mm-hmm. I lived on the old North side and I well, would say that's that. Far. Well, like, no, um, that's if, not is the thing. It is. If you live on Mass Ave in one of the apartments there, you wouldn't need a car. Yeah, but that's the only neighborhood I would say you wouldn't need a car. On the canal, you probably wouldn't need one either. <laughs> yes, you would. Definitely yeah. on the canal. 100%. Well, you what grocery store do you think is on the canal? Well, there isn't one, but there's a bus route that runs straight over there to Needlers. <laughs> and, to the, and there's a bus route that leads uh, actually all the way down to Greenwood. Shit. <laughs> is that the red line? Yeah. Hmm, okay. So, like, the the bus routes in downtown would make it so that you wouldn't really need a car. That's kind of what we were thinking about when I was looking at apartments on Meridian. Because the red line is on Meridian. Yeah. So, you can take it all the way up to Bloomington, Broad Ripple, and then all the way down to Greenwood. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if you you were, like, any on, on the canal apartments or the apartments along Mass Ave, and they're actually building some other ones on the south side of downtown. Well, they and, should because and, um, he's growing. So uh, those, all those apartments down there, I mean, you can pretty much walk to the bus station from mm-hmm. the ones on the south because they're like right near the bus station, mm-hmm. and like you could take a bus to anywhere in town, you know, from there. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you wouldn't have to have a car if you specifically lived down there. However, the rent down there is ridiculous. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's not worth it. I would live out in the suburb and pay for the car. Yeah. You'll get a lot more square footage money. and you'll save money. Yeah. Though there's more space for you. The car will is a nice to have and there's yeah. a lot more space. Well, and that's but kind I, I of do like, understand people that want to like live it, you know, they really do just want to walk the five blocks around their place and get to just about any shop they would need. And yeah. And, you know, that's, and then to like, occasionally take the bus out to the Walmart or something if they need to. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> well, and it's like the thing with where I live is like, I don't really have to pay Miami prices to live in a walkable community. Also, I think one thing in America that's changed that also is delivery since 2020 happened the delivery services to people's houses for groceries and things have vastly improved. Yeah, but I don't want to <laughs> fucking deliver my. Gro- I don't want my. Well, no, I'm. I'm. I'm they they cost. It costs a little extra to do that. And I don't but, want someone else to do the grocery shopping for me. Like I like going. No, I, I'm just saying, if you want to live without a car, it's easier because those services exist. Yeah. It doesn't matter that like you may not want to use them. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they do like Instacart exists. Walmart plus exists. Yeah, that's true. you know, like they have these things. Kroger, I think, has one as well where they'll like shop for your groceries and deliver them to your door. Well, that makes it so that the groceries a lot more accessible to folks in places where before they might not be able to walk to the grocery, but they could have it ordered, delivered to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And so if, you know, if you're a person that doesn't have a car and like you just want to live without one, then you might pay a little extra to have your groceries delivered. That mm-hmm. might, might be your option. You might just choose that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's an interesting change that's happened to make things more accessible to people. I mean, like it makes the grocery deserts not as deserted. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's not all bad. Those services aren't all good either. No. Cause you know, they bring the wrong stuff 
as we all felt, if any of, I mean, I'm sure everybody that's listening to us has probably used one at one mm-hmm. time or another. Mm-hmm. And you get like, oh, well, we were out of the eight ounce can of green beans. So we're going to bring you a 30 ounce can of green beans, mm-hmm. which means after you open that thing and, you know, there's two of you living here, you're going to like put it in a container and, and eat off of it for, for like four days. Yeah. I'm, I hope you liked having green beans that one meal because mm-hmm. you're going to have it like for dinner every day this week. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's like they it's like, substitute well, it, things without it, if, if four cans of green beans is still 32 ounces what, what's the big deal we, we we just bring you a 30 32 ounce can it's like well i mean the the other ones i could choose to open one and then wait a couple weeks before i open another one because they're in a can and they're shelf stable but once i open it then i'm gonna have to get to them mm-hmm. you know and <laughs> so <laughs> And that is a, that is a drawback of the, mm-hmm. you know, the automated, whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. And also like the people who are packing up your groceries that may not like think ahead, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. or it's like, it's kind of a shitty job anyway. Like I have well, to pack okay. someone's groceries yeah. and ship them off. Like it's probably, I would say equal like, to, I'm, I'm just saying sometimes you get a worse. grocery packer that's got some common sense well, and other times you get a grocery packer that's just a little bit, you know, doesn't give a single fuck. Yeah. <laughs> just doesn't give a, sh- well, either they don't give a shit or they think they're doing something nice. You know, and they're really just creating a, a whole different issue. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know what I, mean? I mean, I think that it's like, it's pretty much like a lot of the time with those packing situations, it's someone whose job was not that until they were like, oh, well, now our location's going to do delivery. So that's your job now. <laughs> and then they don't really get trained for it. And then they're like, no, you have to do all of your other job tasks on top of this. Uh, I mean, so, perhaps. I think uh, that that's probably part of it. I mean, that can happen. I'm just saying that some of them, though, are they're just ditzes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not that they're not trying to do a good job. Right. They're just like, you know, it's like, uh, you know what, man? I would have been good with no green beans rather than the vat of green beans. <laughs> Thank you for the vat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Like, but weird. Yeah. well if you don't substitute it that means you'd have to refund it yeah i mean yeah but uh you know like so it's not all bad it's just you know sometimes there's a trade-off yeah you know they show up with gigantic cans of stuff well and i feel like my trade-off really is that like there are just certain places where you can't really get home from after a certain hour so like if I am in downtown Glasgow after like, like when people invite you to the bars, you think, okay, well I can take an Uber home. Right. Mm-hmm. No, not the case. Downtown Glasgow after midnight is fucking impossible to get an Uber from. <laughs> you have to literally hail a taxi from the street because you can't order one on your phone or order an Uber to your location and the buses stop after 1230. Hmm. Yeah, it sucks. You can get a dr- ride from anywhere else in the city, but not downtown. Have no idea why. I'm sure there's a reason because it seems absolutely ridiculous to me. If I were a taxi driver, I would just only wait for calls downtown. Because <laughs> there's a glut of nobody to drive at that time of the night. Yeah, just, and it's like the one just, place I would he's want cleaning to ride up. 
Yeah. I'm like, dude. Uh, I, I only work from one to five every day, and I make just as much as I would make the whole rest of the day. Yeah, because I don't really care if you puke in my back seat. It's a piece of shit car anyway, and I'm going to throw it away as soon as this gig's uh, over. <laughs> I'm going to throw it over. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to replace the entire back seat after this, so whatever. So, um, elephant in the room, for those of you who are trying to show up for the next part of the Gilmore Girls series, we are putting that off until she's back in Glasgow because, well... I didn't watch it. And there's not a lot of time to watch while you're, you know, visiting with everybody and traveling. So, it's been a a fun conversation today, Bailey. I'm glad that you made it here safely. Thank you. My my week was greatly enhanced with your presence in it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, there is that. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And I'm glad to be here. And I love you. I love you too. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Family Rabble podcast with Joe Shelton and Bailey Shelton. Join us next time for more fun episodes.